So I was thinking about the book of Genesis and in the beginning, God. And I thought about how we said last week, Moses wrote the book of Genesis and he wrote it for the fact that he wrote it for the people that had been born, the slaves that had been born in Egypt. They, you know, they had oral stories that were passed down about the God of their, you know, fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But who really was God, you know? And so Moses took the oral traditions that were passed down and he wrote the book of Genesis. And this chapter especially to really introduce God to a people that grew up and lived in a foreign nation, to know who God is. And and I think for this one chapter, when when we talk about in the beginning, God, it was kind of to introduce, here's who God is. Because obviously, if you're hearing about a God and you're hearing about a God, the first question you have about this God is, who are you? Who are you? In fact, when Moses and God were having a conversation about Moses leading them out of, of Egypt, God, Moses looked at God and he said, well, when they ask who you are, who sent you, what name do I tell them? What's your name? Who are you? And he said, tell them that I, I am the I am that I am. So Moses is writing this book of Genesis uh, to, to answer this question of who God is. And not only this, but who are we in relation to you? God, how do we relate to you? If you are who you say you are, if you are the creator, then a creator creates something for a purpose. So if you created us, what is our purpose? Who are we? How do we relate to you? How do we connect with with you? And then the next thing, God is going to call this small nation out of captivity, out, out out of bondage, bring them into freedom, and to give them a promised land where they have to go in and defeat their enemies. So God is asking Moses to take people that are slaves and make them conquerors. Take people that are servants and make them warriors. To take people who are used to being defeated and to make them victorious. Uh, that, that are used to being uh, that are that, that are used to being overcome by somebody else to being overcomers, and we see this in the book of, of Numbers when when uh, when the ten spies went into the land, and they came out and 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 and, and the, or twelve spies and the ten spies come back and they said, we cannot defeat them because we're in our own sights as grasshoppers. Sometimes you can bring people out of bondage, but you got to get the bondage out of them. They brought them out of being oppressed, out of being slaves, but many of them still had a slave mentality because they were not used to being victorious. They were not used to being winners. They were certainly not used to being conquerors because they'd been slaves all their lives. And Joshua and Caleb said, no, we are well able to go in and take the land. Why? Not necessarily because of them, but because of who God is. So one of the first questions is, who are you, God? The next one is, well, who are we and how do we relate to you? And the other one is, do you have any competition? Do you have any competition? What about all these other gods? God, where do you rank with them? Egypt has gods. 
Mesopotamia has gods. And you have to remember, this is, this, is, this is thousands of years ago. Nothing in our day relates to what they were going through. Uh, every nation had gods. And, and, and when, if, you, if you study, many of them had creation stories, where their gods come from. So, so Moses, in pinning this creation story, is showing them who God is, how he relates to them, and how he's greater than all others that claim to be gods. In the book of Romans chapter 1, look at this scripture. Romans chapter 1 verse 20, the scripture says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, somebody say power, that's what he does, and his divine nature, somebody say nature, that's who he is, So God's invisible qualities, who he is, what he's done, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse, that they will know that there is a God. So through creation, Romans tells us, through Genesis 1, Romans tells us that God's invisible qualities are clearly seen. His power and his nature, what he can do, And who he is. So if you want to know what he can do, look at creation. If you want to know who he is, look at creation. If you want to know what his nature is like. So we're going to look at at four or five of these qualities. The divine nature and the eternal power this morning. To answer the question, who is the God that was in the beginning? And the next week, we're going to get into the the creation story itself and begin to look at God as the creator and why he created and how he created and things of this nature. The first thing I want us to see this morning is that God is powerful all by himself. Genesis 1-1 teaches us that God is powerful all by himself. God doesn't need anybody else. He doesn't need any other power. We need his power. We need his power, but he doesn't need anybody else's power. He gives us his power to work his works through us. Look at what Isaiah 44, verse 24 says. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord, the maker of all things. Somebody say all things. The maker of all things who stretches out the heavens, who spreads out the earth by myself. Think about those words. Think about those words. You know, many of us, we can't even walk in the bathroom in the middle of the night by ourselves. Can you walk to the bathroom in the middle of the night by yourself? No, you'll stub your toe on something. We usually have to have a light or assistance. Somebody said there's four easy steps to everything except making your way to the bathroom in the middle of the night. You'll stub your toe on a dresser or something, trip over. One of the worst things is when you get up in the middle of the night and there's toys that your kids are laying there and you step on one of those sharp toys and you think you you just stabbed something through your foot. So the simple things we need help with. But God, when everything was dark and void, Needed no assistance. All he needed to do was just speak. 
and he created everything out of nothing. God is self-sufficient. God doesn't need anybody else. He's self-existent and self-sufficient. Being self-existent means he's not dependent or contingent upon anything else. In other words, he is eternal, independent, and he's the personal cause of all of the universe. Listen to Psalms 90. Psalms 90 verse 2 says, Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Think about the bigness. What I want to do in this, in this message. In this message, I want you to see the, the bigness of God. And I want you to see that you are in good hands with God. You are in good hands. Being self-existent and being self-sufficient. Self-sufficient means he does not need anything outside of himself. God has no lack. He's perfectly complete with his own being. Listen, this should make, this should make you feel good. God didn't need to create the world. He wanted to create the world. God did not need to create you. He was good all by himself. He did not need that. He he is not a needy God that needs people to praise him and needs people to love him. God doesn't need any of that. God is God all by himself. God wanted to create you. I think I might can find some scripture to back this up, but this is just what I feel. You can take it for what it's worth. God is love. God is love. Love wants an object to express itself to. I don't believe the I don't really believe the main purpose of God creating you was for you to love him. I think the main purpose of God creating you is because God's loving he wanted something to love. So he created you so he could have something to love. You're the object of his love. He didn't create you to demand love that he needed because he's insecure. God created you so he could love you. And then you in return would love him back. If God is love, love has to have an object to love. So God didn't have to create it. But his love desperately desired something to express itself to. God is powerful all by himself. Try to take nothing and create anything from it. That's what God did. The second thing I want you to see this morning is that God has all authority. God has all authority. Listen to what Psalm 33, 6 through 9 says. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. God has all authority. He had the authority to create, and God had the authority to name. He commanded nature, and it does. He orders at his will, and it comes to be. He calls something by, now he looks at something and says, it is 
good. He says, let the waters above the heavens and the waters under the heaven separate, and they did. God has all authority. He names the day, day, and the night, night. He establishes time. He orders everything. He's the God of all authority. Jesus, before he ascended up to heaven, Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. All authority. And I like to say it this way for people that like to fight the devil and think he's some big thing. If God has all authority, how much is that left for the devil? <laughs> Listen, I'm just, I'm just going to say it. We give the devil a whole lot more credit than he deserves. The devil's defeated. There are some Christians and ministries, if they didn't have a devil, they wouldn't have anything to do. So that's all they want to talk about is the devil. I remember growing up, I was taking prayer requests. It was more about what the devil was doing than what God was doing. No, no. I want to talk about Jesus. I want to focus on Jesus. I want to lead people to Jesus. There are some people that, 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 that they look for a devil behind every corner. But if you look hard enough, if you're looking for a devil behind every corner, you'll probably find one. I'd rather look for God around every corner. I'd rather look for the Holy Spirit around every corner. I'd rather look for blessings around every corner. I'd rather look for favor and faith around every corner. I want to be looking for him. I want to be looking at Jesus. I want to make him the center of my life and the center of my focus and the center of everything that we do. It's all about him because all authority has been given unto him. And Jesus, the cool thing is that Jesus, when he sent his disciples out, he delegated that authority to them. He said, I have all authority. Now you go in my name. Casting out devils, healing the sick, all of this. You go with my authority in my name. Uh, the, 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 the Roman centurion, he, he said, uh, the Roman soldier, he said, I have authority. I tell one to go and he goes. I tell another one to come here and he comes here. He says, I'm a man. I have authority. He says, because I'm a man under authority. You only have the authority that you are given. You only have the authority that you are given. I can't go into to Walmart and say, uh, I want to buy a thousand TVs, and I want you to charge it to uh, uh, to Food Lion, because I don't have the authority from Food Lion to go and buy anything. I haven't been given that authority. But when I come to God, who has all authority, and He gives the Holy Spirit to me, and Jesus looked at those disciples and He said, "Now go in my authority." Seeing people saved, healing the sick, overcoming darkness. God has all authority. The next thing about God that we see from this passage is that God does not get tired or weary. God does not get tired or weary. Look in Isaiah 40, 28. It says, do you not know? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. God does not grow tired or weary. Now, I want you to listen to what Psalm 121 says. Listen to Psalm 121, 1 through 5. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber he that watches over you will not slumber. Whether you realize it or not, God never gets weary. He never gets tired. He never slumbers. He's watching over you. 
That's what you can learn about God in creation. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He watches over you. He does not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The Lord never gets tired, never gets weary, never slumbers, never sleeps. As Monique said, never leaves us, never forsakes us. That's what we can learn about God. In creation. What's another thing we can learn about God? Another thing we can learn about God is that God is greater than any other gods. The next thing, God is greater than any other gods. Now, this was a big thing for uh, back in those days in a, in a polytheistic society because there were many, many cultures, and each culture had their own gods, sometimes many gods within the culture. So the issue is what separates one god from another? We see this played out in Exodus when Moses goes up to Pharaoh. Pharaoh has his magicians. He has his people that can work miracles. So God says, if you go before Pharaoh, I will give you the ability to show everyone that I am the one true God, and there is no other gods. Uh, when, when, when ancient civilizations would go into battle, here, here's how they could tell which God was greater. The, the people that won, their God was greater. The people that lost, their God was not as good. Uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal, uh, the prophets of Baal, they, they were crying to their God to do something all day long. And Elijah just sits back. He says, well, maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he just doesn't hear you because their God wasn't doing anything. Well, Elijah steps up, calls fire down from heaven, and God shows that he is the one true God. That he is greater than any other gods. Jeremiah 10 and 11 says, tell them this. These gods who did not, oh, let's go back to that. Let's, let's go back to that one. There we go. These gods who did not make the heavens and the earth, these gods didn't make the heavens and the earth, will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. But God made the earth by his power. He founded the world by his wisdom and stretched out the heavens by his understanding. He says, this is what God did. None of them other gods did that. The gods of Egypt didn't do that. The gods of Mesopotamia didn't do that. None of the other gods did that. This is what you tell them, Jeremiah. Jeremiah also said this in Jeremiah 16, verses 19 and 20. He says, Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in times of distress, to you the nations will come from the ends of the earth and say, he said, this is what all the nations are going to come to you and they're going to say. They're going to say, our ancestors possess nothing but false gods worthless idols that did them no good. He said, that's what they're going to come and tell you. He says, do people make their own gods? Yes, but they are not gods. Listen to what 2 Chronicles 20.15 says. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all that live in Judah and Jerusalem. He says, this is what the Lord says to you. He says, don't be discouraged because of the vast army. Don't be afraid for the battle is not yours, but God's. God will fight for you. Your God will prove you victorious over the armies that have all of their gods. God is greater than any other gods because he is the one true God. And finally today, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for God. Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for 
you. Nothing is too hard for you. God, if you can be this in creation, all of these scriptures go back to Genesis 1, 1. They all have their foundation. The strength of the nation of Israel in battle had its beginning in Genesis 1-1. Everything hinged on Genesis 1-1. And God being who he said he was by showing his power and his nature. His power and his nature. Nothing is too hard for God. Listen to what, this is the story of David and Goliath. David and Goliath. Saul, the king, goes to put his armor on David before David goes out and fights this giant. And Saul said, you are not able, David, to go out against this Philistine and fight him. And you are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Here's what David said. David says, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion. That's when he was a shepherd. God rescued him from the paw of the lion. And from the paw of the bear, that God will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. There's nothing too hard for God. Very simply. So when we come to in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Those four words say so much. And they say so much to you and I because it's knowing that God and knowing who he is lets us to see we are in good hands. We are in good hands with our creator. We are in good hands with the creator that there's nothing too hard for. We're in good hands with the creator because he is greater than any other God. You know, it's, it's just funny to me that, you know, us Christians, we think everything's a battle, and every time somebody says something against God or somebody says something against this, we, we get all in a tizzy because people are attacking God and people are breaking. God ain't, God ain't sweating. God ain't sweating. God ain't nervous. God ain't afraid. People are trying to destroy God and the church in America. Can't destroy God. All, all it is is number one, you, you laugh at the silliness, and number two, you feel sorry for the person. I ain't, I, I ain't in a battle with fighting nobody. Why? Because I know my God can stand on His own, and I believe the Scripture says we can stand still and see the salvation of our Lord God will come through. I just have to be confident in Him. We shouldn't be intimidated by anyone. I mean, look, people have been trying to destroy God for thousands of years, and they haven't done it yet. They've been trying to destroy the Word of God. They've been trying to destroy the church. And the more they try, the more it grows. They worried? No, I'm not. Why? Because I know his power and I know his nature. I've seen his power and I've seen his nature. I know who he is. I know Genesis 1-1. And you think of God that big? You know, Christmas was just crazy. You know, everybody, oh, you know, y'all know I drink Starbucks coffee. I asked somebody, I said, did you stop drinking Starbucks coffee because they had a red cup? No, I didn't. I had a collection of red cups in my floor. Because Starbucks ain't, it's no threat to God. 
A red coffee cup is no threat to the God of heaven and earth. Really? That just tells me how big some people think their God is. So yeah, I still drink coffee. And many of you gave me gift certificates for Christmas and I appreciated that and I used them all already. Every one of them. Besides, I told this person, they said, well, don't you know that Starbucks is an enemy of God? I said, well, Jesus said to bless your enemies. So that's what I was doing. I was blessing, <laughs> blessing my enemies. Plus, uh, we, we were driving yesterday. I mean, we were in like hour eight of driving, and we weren't close to being home or something. And I was like, Lisa's like, do you need to stop? I said, I need a coffee. I just need a coffee. I, 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 I can make it home if I just stop and give me a coffee. My point is, God is bigger. He doesn't get intimidated. He's not threatened. Be confident and secure in the God whose power and nature stretch the heavens across the sky. No, God's not intimidated. God's the great God of heaven and earth. That there is no match for God at all. You are in good hands when you're in the hands of the creator this morning. Let's stand together this morning. God says, this is who I am. You can trust me. Don't look to the stars for your answers. Look to me for your answers. Don't look to other gods for your answers. Look to me for your answers. God even says, don't look to yourself, but look to me. Realize who I am. Realize who I am. Realize my power. Realize my authority. Realize my nature. Realize what I can do. Realize there wouldn't be anything at all if it wasn't for me. Is there anything too hard for God? All of us face circumstances that are too hard for us. You know, one of the misquoted scriptures is God won't give you anything more than you can handle. Sometimes, you know, we have way more than we can handle at times. And I'm thankful that when we have more than we can handle, we can put those things in the hand of our God because you're in good hands with God. The self-existent one, the self-sufficient one. Today, I want you to put the blinder over what you've been looking at. And I want you to gaze upon the goodness and the vastness and the bigness and the power of God today. Put your faith in God. Trust him in the situation that you're going through. Declare his authority. Declare his power. Declare how great he is, that he is greater than anything that you're facing, that he's greater than anything, that he is the God that hung the stars in the space and calls them by their and knows the very number of the hairs on your head and has not forgotten you and has not left you out. That God that is so big is the God that is speaking to your heart right now. The God that created everything cares enough for you to say, cast your care upon me. You're in good hands. Cast your care upon So today, if you need something today that you need to put in his hands, maybe there's a circumstance you're facing that seems too big for you, put it in his hands. Maybe there's brokenness in in relationships, just put it in his hands. I release you today 
from having to have to fix everything in your life. To put it in his hands. To stand still and see God work and move in your life. Put your fears in his hands. Put your broken dreams in his hands. Put your lost family members in his hands. Put your sickness in his hands. Put your depression in his hands. Put it in his hands. You're in good hands with our creator. Father, we thank you this morning. How many of you know you're in good hands this morning? Absolutely. I just believe God's going to turn some things around in your life. I just believe God's going to turn some things around. If he can hang the stars in space, he can turn some things around in my life. He can work some things out for my good in my life. Amen. Amen. I have a special lady this morning, Miss Gail. 
Sanson has come. We, um, we prayed for, I know I did, many of you may have known her for a long time, but I, I know I've prayed for long before I got a chance to meet her. Uh, Miss Anna's called her name. She's a, a warrior. She's a fighter. God's blessed her, and I believe God's going to continue to bless her in, in her life. And she's recently moved here to Newburn to, to be with Miss Ann and her family and uh, would like to move her membership here to, to Antioch and, and make this a home for her. And uh, we just believe God's not through with you yet. And he's got great things in store. And we're excited for, for Gail to, to be here and to be a part of, of this house and, and our family. So she's come requesting membership. So at this time, we'll ask the pleasure of the church. All in favor of accepting Gail as a member, let's signify by saying ah. Those opposed, no. Not a no in the place. Let's give God a praise. Welcome. Amen. Amen. We pray you have a great, great week this week. And uh, just remember, come up with your own little jingle that you can tell yourself every moment. I just want you to know you're in, you might be in good hands with Allstate. I don't know from experience. But I know you're in better hands with God than you could be with anybody else. So we just speak blessing over your life, pray for peace for your family and blessing over everything that you do. May his grace just go before you and flood your life in Jesus' name. You're dismissed. Have a great, great Sunday.